Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. When you're working in a nonprofit, funding sources can come to you from all directions. On one end of the spectrum, you have individual donors, but on the other end, there are the foundations that can make a big difference in your fundraising goals. But how do you get to the foundations? How do you get them to consider funding your nonprofit? To answer these and many more questions, we've asked Sam Bennett to give us some insight. Sam holds master's degrees in library science and public administration. He made a career switch from libraries to philanthropy back in 1999 when he became a program officer for a dozen charitable foundations administered by Commerce Bank of Kansas City. In this position, he worked with nonprofits of all types and sizes throughout Kansas and Missouri. Since his retirement, he has served on nonprofit boards for environmental and arts organizations, and soon he's coming back to the fold. He's going to begin a temporary position as interim executive director of the Heartland Conservation Alliance. Now, Sam and his wife live in a 112-year-old house in a historic Kansas City neighborhood, which is where we find him today. Sam, thank you so much for joining us on Impactability today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to address this subject. I always felt that my job was to improve and strengthen the nonprofit community. And we hope to do that today with a lot of the knowledge that you're going to share with us. You know, for nonprofits of all sizes, big and small, funding can come from a whole bunch of sources. We know that. And one that might be eluding many nonprofits is the funding that is available from foundations. Now, you worked on that side of the fence for many years, so let's start with the basics and discuss the difference between fundraising in general and foundation fundraising. Let's just say that foundations don't have heartstrings. If you're trying to appeal to an individual, you're looking for something that will touch them and will make them donate. You're sending a proposal to a foundation they don't want to know about this individual child who was saved. They want numbers. They want to see how things were affected and how you were able to affect change. So if you want to raise money from foundations, you need to develop a plan and not just go for the heartstrings. So how do grants play a part in that plan? Well, a healthy foundation picture will, will have a mix of funding sources so that when one falls short, you can lean on another. Foundation funding can be seen as just one leg of a stool that also includes individual giving, government grants, earned income, and endowed income, among others. How do nonprofits find foundations to approach? Okay, these are public resources that are required to distribute a portion of their assets each year. Most have websites, and all have their financial statements available online. There are sources such as GuideStar and Charity Navigator, which can tell you a lot about each foundation and their finances. This kind of transparency isn't necessarily the case for funds at a community foundation, but that's a subject for a different podcast. <laughs> what is the balance of time and effort that a nonprofit should spend on approaching foundations? Because you know they're trying to get funding from as many different sources as they can. So how much time do you think they should spend on approaching foundations? 
This depends a lot on your funding mix. For instance, direct solicitation of individual donors can provide immediate results, though usually in smaller amounts. Grant funding has the potential for a larger payoff, but the timeline can be long, the grants are competitive, and you have to be prepared for greater scrutiny and for follow-up reports. What do you mean by that? Can you elaborate a little bit? Most foundations will require reporting at specific intervals. And they will require quite often that you specify outcomes. And if you don't meet the outcomes set up in the proposal, they would like to know why. Whereas if you give donation from an individual, they're not going to scrutinize it that much. They would just expect you to use it as best you can. How does a nonprofit create a master list of grant-making organizations to approach? I mean, should it be geographically limited or can you just cast the wide net? Well, geography is a good place to start, as most foundations are geographically limited. Also pay attention to their areas of interest. Many foundations are set up to fund very specific causes and sometimes even specific organizations. Some will tell you right up front that they don't accept solicitations or that they won't fund general operations or debt or property acquisition or something like that. Now, when, when I was writing grant proposals, there were printed directories. But now I imagine that most of these resources, such as Foundation Directory, uh, some of the others are online. Uh, Each listing will define the foundation's areas of interest, their geographic limitations, how they prefer to be approached, and their average grant size. So everything is there if you just do a little bit of research. Yeah, mostly they're going to tell you exactly what they want. If they're accepting solicitations, they will tell you right down to the word count what they're expecting in a proposal. And that could be anything from a couple of hundred to several thousand words, I imagine. Yeah. And usually not nearly as much as you want to put in there. As I've seen online grant writing, quite often it seems to be a pretty small amount of space. You have to learn to uh, be a little judicious in your grant writing, which for a program officer, sometimes you'll get 20 pages, you know, where a paragraph will do. And there are some grant writers who appear to think of funding by the pound as opposed by the idea. Is there a magic formula? Is there something that they're looking for in your grant proposal that you better have in there or, or forget it? Probably you should be able to tell a program officer how you expect to affect change. What will this, if they give you this money, what will it accomplish? And and they understand this is an ideal world, but you need to have a plan. How do you know what grants to apply for? Well, it's fairly easy to win out the majority of foundations that are unsuitable. Uh, Generally, you begin locally, you learn about the foundations in your area, and you find out who funds programs similar to yours. As often as possible, use the foundation's own description of their giving. Some commercial sources use algorithms to pick out keywords which don't always give an accurate picture of a foundation's interests. One of our foundations made a donation to a local agricultural show just one time, and for years, some directories listed one of our areas of interest as animal husbandry. Also, no shotgun grant writing. It was not uncommon for us to receive half a dozen identical proposals to different foundations under our department, inevitably wildly inappropriate requests. And and those going to go right in the garbage. Yeah. Shotgun fundraising. I love that. That's a new one on me. I haven't heard that term before, but that's a good one. I'm taking it that you saw quite a bit of that during your time in the business. 
Oh, sure. And that term actually comes from somebody I knew who was trying to raise money. And he said, why don't we just shotgun proposals out there and see what comes back? And I had to tell him, no, it really doesn't work that way. But I've used the term ever since. So in other words, throwing stuff at the wall to see if it sticks. Exactly. Wow. Wouldn't you say that you almost are pretty guaranteed not to get it if you if you at least don't do some homework? It's certainly going to lower your percentage, yeah. And as you say, if you receive something in the office that's obviously that generic, yeah, it's not even going to be reviewed. Mm. We are talking with Sam Bennett. Our topic of discussion today, tapping into foundation fundraising. This is some great information. We're going to take a short break right here. And when we come back, we'll talk about when to keep trying and when to move on. Also, the do's and don'ts when it comes to approaching foundations for fundraising. You are listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Sometimes you wish there were more hours in the day. With everything on your plate, it's hard to determine which projects get done today and which gets put off until whenever you can get to it. There is an easier way. Sukup Strategic Solutions has been serving nonprofits like yours for almost 10 years, and in that time, we've handled all kinds of projects, especially the ones you can't seem to get to. Fundraising, marketing, grant writing, communications, and more. With Sukup Strategic Solutions, you'll have a team of marketers working for you, solving marketing issues sooner, grant writers that have written hundreds of grants, communications experts who can help get your message to your constituents, and certified fundraising executives with the knowledge and expertise to help you raise more money. You'll have more hands on deck, reduce overhead, and increase efficiency. For a free consultation on how we can help lighten the load at your nonprofit, visit our website at SukupStrategicSolutions.com. That's S-O-U-K-U-P StrategicSolutions.com. Maximize your impact with Sukup Strategic Solutions. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. We're speaking with our guest, Sam Bennett, about foundation fundraising and what you need to know about approaching foundations for funding. Now, Sam, as we said in your bio earlier, you've been doing this a long time. And I know along the way, there had to be a few instances that might have been a, you know, a bit eyebrow raising. So tell us maybe an interesting experience you had with a grantee. Okay, uh, this is not so much funny as probably the most fun I ever had giving away money. <laughs> uh, this happened in 2008, right before the recession. As you might know, foundations are required to give away a certain percentage of their assets every year. We came up to the middle of the year and we had to tell our foundation board, you're being too conservative. We have to give away an extra $5 million this year. And our board chair thought about it and said, you know, I think what's really going to be needed this year is emergency assistance. So why don't we take this $5 million, split it up between the two cities we work in, and you figure out which agencies are best able to give this away. And so this took until about September to put together our emergency assistance initiative. And it was right about then that things started to fall apart and we started to slide into the recession. And so I had $2.5 million to give away in Kansas City. And I just went from door to door to agencies that I picked out as being particularly good at giving away funds. And I'd knock on the door and ask to talk to the executive director. And of course, you know, they know who I am. So they let me in and I would hand them a check for $10,000 or $50,000. There were a couple of executive directors that I actually introduced myself to said, we've never met before, but I'm from this foundation and we like your organization. And here's $50,000. Wow. 
I had one development director break down in tears because she she said, we just had a meeting yesterday and said, if we could just get $30,000, we'd make it through to the next year. And I had a check for $30,000. So that was, that was a tremendous amount of fun. The problem with that was people assumed then after that, we would do emergency assistance and say, can I get money from your emergency assistance fund? It's like, well, we, we don't do that every year, but this was just something we had to do one year for our own purposes, but it just happened to fall at exactly the right time. That had to make your day. It was a huge amount of fun. It, it got me quite a reputation in the community and really cemented our relationship with a lot of really fine agencies. And really that's the bottom line when you're able to do so many good things. I mean, when you, when you have a pot of money and you can split it up and share it amongst a lot of different organizations, a lot of different nonprofits, that really has to be the enriching part that's what keeps you going every day going to work every day oh absolutely even giving away money can become a grind so this was something that kept us all going for quite a while how much homework does the foundation do on the grantee oh that's a good question yeah uh quite a bit first of all i would send them a list of information that i needed which requires all financial information and background information and numbers served and annual reports and all this kind of stuff. And I mentioned earlier that with the grant, you're going to be under greater scrutiny. And that's not only after you get the money, but of course, before as well. In this conversation that we're having about the relationship between the foundation and the grantee, do relationships get developed in that regard? I mean, if, if it's a nonprofit that keeps coming every year, keeps coming every year, and maybe they get a small check, maybe they get a larger check the next year, do relationships get built? And then how do you develop those relationships without actually pestering them? Well, if the foundation employs program officers, and not all of them do, this is your entry point and your primary point of contact. The program officer is your best friend. Make contact, ask questions, let them set the parameters for communication. If you're working with a program officer, don't let anyone try and do an end run. Say somebody on your board knows somebody on the foundation board that they think might have more influence. You don't go around your central point of contact because, yeah, you build up trust both ways. Mm, that's a great point. Are there magic words that you should listen for in that conversation if you're the grantee? You'll be listing for terms like general operating support or general program support. This kind of funding is solid gold and uh, not very common, especially on a first grant. Applicant defined is another important term, which appears to mean, what do you need? And I've seen a couple of foundations that, that have applicant defined grants. And so you go in and give them a package of, okay, we need strategic planning and we need initial funding for a new staff member. And we need this. And it's like, okay, that's what you need. That's what we'll fund. That's still rare, but it happens. Mm -hmm. How often should someone keep in touch with the foundation, whether they get funded or not? If you're not funded and you don't have a request under consideration, they probably don't have time to meet with you on any kind of regular basis. I know that there are some fund development professionals who feel that you need to go in and have a meeting, you know, every year, but it's kind of a waste of time if you're not presenting proposal. Send them your newsletter and your, your annual report. Check their website to see if their funding priorities have changed. But if a program officer is dealing with perhaps hundreds of organizations that they funded, they don't have time to give you an hour every year. 
So that's great information. We're talking with Sam Bennett, our topic today, tapping into foundation fundraising. And it brings me to the next question, and, and we alluded to this earlier. Should you continue to keep in touch, or is there a time when you just kind of move on to the next foundation? Obviously, something's, there's not a marriage there. If there's a possibility of future funding, the foundation will not hesitate to let you know. A lot of times they'll say, well, we can't do it this year, but, you know, come back next year. Or it was very competitive, but we liked your proposal. So try it again later or try this other program we've got. If they make it clear you're not in their area of interest, just let it go. I've had to be very firm with applicants who continue to send in requests after getting turned down year after year. Mm -hmm. And eventually you just call them and say, please don't contact us again. We can't help you. Are there situations that you might get unrequested grant updates? Are those are those welcome? Only if there's a major change to the program being funded or maybe a key personnel change. Program deadlines were disrupted during the pandemic, and funders tended to be very flexible as long as problems were communicated. One of the boards that I serve on now, our executive director, is leaving. So we're meeting with, with all of our funders to say, this is our plan for, for going on. This is who's going to be meeting with you. That kind of thing is necessary to provide an additional report. But otherwise, they'll give you a schedule of how often they want to hear from you. Again, do the homework, right? Yes. Are there other do's and don'ts you want to share with our audience on what foundations look for, what they definitely don't want to see, etc.? Pay attention to the parameters that they set out. Answer all their questions. Don't leave anything blank. Stick to the word limits. Don't send unsolicited materials. Don't send multiple copies unless requested. Most things that we're looking at now are going to be online. Uh, we got physical proposals and people would send things in fancy binders, which would just be taken off and thrown away because we have to put things in files. People send support materials. If it's requested, that's great. If it's not, it's, it's just dead weight. Okay. Anything else you can think of? I, I'm thinking of the nonprofit that's listening to us right now. Maybe it's the small nonprofit. They sure would like to get in the door, at least at, at a foundation or two. Something, give me like a golden rule that, that you could share with them that would at least you know, give them encouragement and, and at least they're going to be doing it the right way first time out of the block. There is a lot of money out there and they have to give it to somebody. I mean, with the stock market up, up the way it is, foundation assets are at an all-time high, and they still have to give away 5% of their assets every year. You might get turned down. In fact, you'll probably be turned down a lot, but never think of no as a failure. It's a learning experience, and this proposal will be parted out in your next attempt. You'll use bits and pieces of every proposal when you've described your program, described your organization and you put those into your next proposal, and you go back and try it again. Sam, thank you so much for being our guest today on Impactability. I think we all learned quite a bit today. I hope so. Thank you for having me. Sam Bennett has been our guest today on Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. And now... 
Time now for Coach's Corner. This is where we take your questions and we ask our impact coaches for their opinions, their advice, their information to kind of help you get through this rough spot that you're having right now. And with us is our coach, Cheryl Sukup, the president of Sukup Strategic Solutions. Good to have you with us today, Cheryl. Your question is a very short one, but a tough one. And I'm going to warn you, you only have five minutes to answer the question on Coach's Corner. So here's the question. My board needs training. How do I get them to do it? And Cheryl, your five minutes starts right now. Okay, thank you, Joe. Um, great question. And this is one that I get very often from executive directors, sometimes from board chairs. What I often hear from board members or hear secondhand that board members have said to someone else is that they don't need training. I don't need training. I have been on many boards before and I know how to be a board member. And while that may be true to some degree, Many board members misunderstand some of the roles and responsibilities that are both defined either by law or that are just best practices within governance. So within the realm of governance, there are many things that help to prevent dysfunction and help to promote really effective governance of nonprofit organizations. And so training is really designed to help promote effective governance. So one thing I would say is that you really need to start with great orientation of new board members. That's the number one place to start. So if you have a really strong orientation and you help your board members understand what's expected of them, that's a place where they can get some really basic fundamental information about what it means to be a board member in general, what their responsibilities are, and then what their role really is. Uh, sometimes board members overstep boundaries of what a board member is supposed to do. And this kind of helps to prevent that right from the start. The orientation should also include a lot of information about the nonprofit organization, both its history, its plans for the future, and what is going on in the organization today. So more about board member orientation and what should be in a board manual can be found on our website, but that's really the place to start. The second thing is to provide really easy access to the documents that are important to board members so they can continue to learn over time. So uh, one thing that an executive director or a board chair can do is to include articles and information, links to webinars and other types of resources about trends in your industry. So if your nonprofit provides early childhood education, or they provide, say, affordable housing, or you're an arts and culture organization, being able to provide really good information that is quick and easy to digest would be great for your board. The other thing that you can do is continue to provide them information on best practices and governance articles and quick things that they can learn from. The next thing I would say is to look for opportunities for free training and send these to your board. So if there's a 30-minute webinar on something having to do with governance, for instance, succession planning or board member recruitment or, you know, reading financial statements or for nonprofit boards, et cetera. If there's something that they can learn quick and easy that gives them a broad overview and maybe some links to more, like more further information, then that's a great thing to send to your board because if it's quick and easy to digest, it doesn't take a huge amount of their time, they'd be more likely to review it. I also think it's helpful to disguise training 
and work it into other activities so they don't really know they're attending board training. So one way of doing this, for instance, is when you're doing strategic planning, if you have a facilitator that can share important information and educate the board while they're doing the facilitation, that is one way to impart some really great knowledge that is very impactful while they're doing another activity. Another thing would be to have some information about fundraising at every board meeting. And so maybe it's about 10 minutes of discussion when you're talking about fundraising anyway, where you give some additional information that educates the board without them realizing it. One way to identify where your board needs training is to conduct a formal board evaluation, performance evaluation once a year. Then send those results to the governance committee and have them think about ways to address the needs for training. Sounds good, Cheryl. Thank you so much for the information. Thank you, Joe. If you've got a question for Coaches Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches@impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter at impactability.live. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit. Mm-hmm.